thank you guys. If you will, take your Bible and turn uh, to the New Testament book of Ephesians. <clears throat> uh, this is um, about the middle of the New Testament. After the four Gospels and Acts and Romans and the Corinthian letters, we have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And so take your time getting there. And if you have a Bible today, keep it out because uh, you're going to need it. We're going to have to go to some other places in Scripture that I hope you'll uh, be able to flip to. And if you don't have a Bible today, uh, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And so we have that for you in the back. Uh, if you need that, take it with you. Uh, you'll see those out there on the table. Uh, no cost to you. Uh, we want you to have that if you need it. Somebody brought me a helmet this morning. Um, I'm not going to wear it. Uh, this is a replica uh, of a, a World War, where, where is Will? A World War I, right? World War I German helmet, okay? And so, um, just like all teenagers collect. And so, um, <laughs> Will, uh, ha Will is interested in these things and has a, a really neat collection and brought this uh, just today to represent our piece of armor the helmet of salvation, and we're going to look at this together as, as we have uh, all of these in a long string of gospel armor, the armor of God given to us that we may stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Uh, we have the ability in Christ not to simply just be captive to our sin, uh, not to, just to be uh, helpless under the power of temptation. And even against the most fearsome adversary we have, Satan himself, God has enabled us through Christ not to be defenseless against even him. And so uh, we've looked at these pieces of armor together, and we come today to verse 17 of chapter 6, uh, where we're going to examine the helmet of salvation. These uh, texts have been a little bit difficult because we're preaching entire sermons and, and, and uh, talking about this together based on just very brief references uh, to these pieces of armor. In fact, with regard to this piece of armor, the Bible simply says, and take the helmet of salvation. But the Apostle Paul, under divine inspiration, put this here for a reason. He could have just said, stand firm against the devil. You know, do your best, stand firm, be strong in God. But God, in his word, set out these pieces of armor for us to gain understanding of what they are. And so we're going to do our best to do that today. And so let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 10, as we have each week. Uh, and we will focus on the first part of verse 17. And after we read this, we're going to need to delve in uh, for a little prelude, a little theology lesson of, of what is meant here by salvation. But let's read this together, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Are we able to stand against the schemes of the devil? Yes. We are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. How? If we just get strong enough, if we just get stubborn enough? No. 
if we are strong in the Lord, if we draw near to the strength of his might. There is only one power that is strong enough to stand against the schemes of the devil, and it is not your power or my power. If we're trying to live this life on our own, if we're trying to get by with no closeness to the Word of God, with no relationship to the heart of God, with no ear to hear the Spirit of God, with no gathering with the people of God, without leaning our lives into the mission of God, uh, we're out there on our own. The power there does not exist for us to live this life, to walk worthy, and to stand against the schemes of the devil. We are able to do it, but only through Christ. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What may appear to be temporal, what may appear to be just uh, material, is in fact, as we battle, is not flesh and blood. It is not what is visible, but it is against these powers of evil in the spiritual realm. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I love the word withstand there, don't you? Uh, like a storm just crashing and you're just trying to, to, if there's a barrier, you're trying to withstand it in the evil day. And we are in fact in the evil day that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And we talked about this language last week. These first three pieces of armor use the phrase having put on. This is something we have done. And in our everyday life as Christians, we ought to be wearing these three pieces of armor. We ought to have that protection and readiness but the last three pieces of armor are a little bit different. Therefore, take up the shield of faith, a, a defensive armor uh, that's called for in times of intense battle when Satan has targeted you, when the storm is fierce, to take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And what we need to know here first is what is meant by salvation. If we're supposed to, to take up this helmet of salvation, what does this mean? We know what salvation is, but in this particular uh, instance, what is meant here? What is this helmet constructed of? And we're going to look real quick uh, at some, um, um, some research here, some, some illustrations from God's word as to what this means. And here's what I think it means, and I'm convinced of this. I think the helmet of salvation here is the condition of being permanently and irreversibly saved. If you're saved, you know what that means. You, you, you were a sinner. You were destined for the wrath of God to come. In eternity, you were bound for hell. Uh, but God rescued you. He saved us from that by, his, by the death of Jesus on the cross. And that condition of being born again to a living hope 
is one that is irreversible. It is a permanent condition of being saved. And this comes with a view toward its future aspect for the com- to, to the completion of our salvation in time to come. There are three stages to our salvation. The, one is, the first is justification. That happened at that moment in time when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, when he called your name, you were justified. That, that means forgiveness from sin. But as we go on, as we move on in our lives, we are being sanctified. That means we're being delivered out of the power of sin. And one day to come, when you enter into eternity with God, you will be glorified. That means we will be free even from the presence of sin. And so salvation here, the helmet of salvation, is that understanding that your condition of being saved is one that is permanent. And when the time comes, at your death or at the return of the Lord Jesus, when the time comes, he is definitely, necessarily going to carry you safely into his presence. It is a confidence that we take up and that we wear for this battle. Here are a few references. If you look in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, there's a clue here, uh, a letter written by the same apostle to another church, speaking of armor, and he says, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation, a future salvation, that God in the end is going to render us home that we will be saved. In 1 Peter chapter 1, listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. When do you get an inheritance? In the future, right? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading It hasn't faded not a little bit. It hasn't been defiled. Where is it? It is kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, I thought I already was saved. I thought salvation had already come to me. There is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time and it is being guarded there through faith by God for you. You are permanently saved. Well, sometimes I don't feel saved. You're, you're saved by, he saved you, not your feelings. Romans 13, 11, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Well, I thought salvation was when I believed. Yes, it was. But the final salvation The fullness, the deliverance of that salvation finally will come at that moment of eternity. And it is nearer to us now than when we first believed because that time is coming. Romans 11, 29, for the gifts and the calling of God, powerful word, are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. John 10, 28, the words of Jesus, I give them eternal life. Who gives you eternal life? Jesus does. Did you give it to yourself? No, you didn't. So can you take it away? No, you can't. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. When will you perish? You will never perish. Under what circumstances will you perish? You will never perish, those who are born again. 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What about suicide, right? Someone asked me this once, you know, my friend is a Christian, and you know what? He or she committed suicide. Does he or she fall under the umbrella of no one? Yes, they do. No one. Can I, can I take myself out of God's hands? Can I render myself unsaved by the act of suicide? I'm not advocating for it. But no, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so that's what's in view here. When we raise up in, that, in the morning and we're preparing for our day and we say, God, I want to take up the whole armor of God and I want to fasten as a helmet for my head, the, the, the helmet of salvation. We're taking upon ourselves the permanence and the certainty that in the future God is going to deliver what he has already made true of us in our salvation. We will not be lost. And so what protection does the guarantee of salvation offer believers in our spiritual battle? We need to know this. What protection does this thing offer? Number one, salvation protects our confidence. This salvation, this notion of uh, fullness of salvation, it protects our confidence. When we know that God is never going to let us down, when, he, when we know that God is never going to leave you, he's never going to fail you, it makes all the difference for where we're willing to go and how much we're willing to risk what we're willing to face in his name because we have confidence that he has secured this for us. God is never going to leave us alone. We had a policeman in our church uh, a few years ago. I was talking to him right here in this hallway and his face was just sunken, and he wasn't right. And I said, what's, what's going on today? Is everything okay? And he said, I'm just discouraged. He said, I was sent to look for uh, a mentally challenged uh, adult man uh, in his 20s uh, who had wandered away and was lost uh, down on McEver Road. I was looking for him, and everybody was looking for him, and I found him. He said, and I went out to talk to him, parked my car to block, block the road to keep him safe, went out to talk to him and to, to kind of coax him gently into the car so I could get him safely where he needs to be. He said, and I turned around, and there were three or four people there with cameras filming the situation. He said, it just totally deflated me because even just the good people out on the road that day were there wanting to catch me <laughs> doing something wrong. Catch me hurting or harming or mistreating someone. And all I was trying to do is what I was sent to do. He said, we're in a situation in my profession where the people who are supposed to support you don't support you. He said, even our leaders in the department, even the politicians and elected officials who write the laws and the very ones who send us out there to enforce the laws, when something goes wrong, when the optics aren't good, they will back away from you. You'll turn around and they're just gone. Is it possible? Is it possible that you and I, being sent out by Jesus, the one who wrote not the laws but who wrote the commission and sent us in his name, is it possible that one day stepping out in faithfulness, we will be going in the name of Christ, 
preaching and telling the word of God, showing and spreading the aroma of him everywhere, and that when things get hot, we're going to turn around and Jesus has fled the scene. It's never going to happen. The assurance of our salvation, the helmet of salvation here, is our confidence. It protects our confidence to go in his name even when there is risk involved. There's a young lady, Hillary. Is Hillary here? There she is, right there. Uh, <clears throat> she's uh, raising money for a mission trip <clears throat> our church is taking to Uganda in February. She wants to go. She's determined to go. She's partnered with her dad. They're having <clears throat> little yard sales. Uh, she's making bracelets. They've taken some junk that the church has accumulated back in the shipping container, some old stuff we need to get rid of. Week by week, they're selling it on, <clears throat> on Facebook Marketplace, ready to go to Uganda. What if it doesn't work out, right? You've invested all this time, all this effort, all this money, right? What if you get there and it's not what you expected? Or what if you get there and it's frightening and, and, and things don't quite click? Hillary, do you think that you will turn around and find that God has left you alone? No. You're, we are able to risk for God because we have confidence. We have the helmet of salvation. You can confront that sin this morning. Is it risky? Is it difficult? Yes. But you can confront that sin this morning. You can join a life group this morning. It is strangely scary, and I get it. It is scary to step for the first time in a life group. And we have some scary folks in those life groups. I get it. <clears throat> but you can do, you can, you can take that next step with God. You're not going to find that he has left you or salvation is promised. It is secure. The Bible even <clears throat> goes so far as to say this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The one who did not spare his own son for you is definitely not going to hang you out to dry for a mission trip, for a life group. He's going to be there with you. You can do that. You can give generously to your church. Is that scary? It kind of can be scary to think, God's called me to give to my church and not in a superficial way, but in a meaningful way where I feel the cost, where I deprive myself and my life and my experience of certain things that I would prefer to have in order that I can be a true giver to the family of God. That is scary to do but you can do it. We have a missionary family here with us today and seven others that this church supports faithfully all the time because of people who've chosen to do that very thing. It may be frightening, but you will not step out in that obedience and turn around and see, well, God, he's not providing for me. He's not honoring this. He's not even with me. It's not gonna happen. You can trust Christ today having never done so before you can come to Christ today take that frightening step not knowing what the future holds not knowing what it's going to cost you because God is with you always we've had some kids some teenagers baptized in the last few weeks some of them with no spiritual life at home 
no support at home, parents who haven't been unkind, but who really don't get it. What is this exactly? Why are you doing this? I mean, they've stepped out on their own. Listen, that, I've done that. That's a frightening thing to do, but we can do it. The helmet of salvation is our confidence. And the bottom line here is that God doesn't leave. God doesn't leave. When your deposit of faith is guarded by the unfailing presence of the ever-living God, in that lies the ability to follow him into places of uncertainty. He's not going to fail you. The helmet of salvation is our confidence to obey God when it's risky, to go when it's costly, and to even be obedient when we're not sure we have the strength to do it. Our future glory is secure with a God who doesn't leave. And that matters now. That's not something for the future. It matters to you today. It protects our confidence, but secondly, it protects our courage. It protects our courage. When you know your most important and lasting possession can never be lost, it gives us the courage to follow Jesus daringly, doesn't it? I mean, that's never going to wither. It's never going to be lost. We can only win when we endeavor for Christ. When I was a kid, we had a, a Nintendo Entertainment System. Did anybody have that? Old, the original? Okay, a bunch of us. Man, y'all look old. I don't know. <clears throat> y'all must be older than me. Uh, anyway, we had a Nintendo Entertainment System, NES. I brought a picture of the controller here to show you. Man, that, that bring back great, great memories, right? Mike Tyson, Punch Out, you know, <clears throat> you remember all that? Um, but one game I love to play was Contra. Did anybody play Contra? Okay, some of you guys did. Awesome, awesome game. Um, and Contra was, it was pretty challenging. It had many levels, and there was like a dark villain. I forget what his name, anybody know? I don't remember either. But anyway, there was a dark villain. You had to defeat this guy. Um, and you only had three lives to do it. Three lives that would renew three times. You had nine lives to do this throughout the whole game. It was nearly impossible and every time you entered into the, the levels, you were terrified. Uh, you, you had to be so careful because you knew if you lost your life, you weren't going to complete the game. You weren't going to win until we found a code, didn't we? Let me tell you what, I, I've got this code memorized. I mean, here's what it is on this little controller. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. That's if it was two players. If it was one player, it's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start, right? <laughs> and the code would give you 30 lives times three, 90 lives. Let me tell you, you could go all out in Contra with 90 lives. You could have fun. You could risk. You could get out there, and when the, when the dark villain, the dark lord or whatever he was, when he was there, man, you could attack full on because you knew in the end you were secure. That's, that's the message of the helmet of salvation for us, just the same. It protects our courage to be able to live daringly for God because in the end, we can't lose the eternal life that he has given us. Listen to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, and let's ask the question, how secure, how complete, how sure is our victory in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. How 
I mean, how often does he lead us in triumph? Always. We live in a condition of triumph because in the end, we with Christ will win. We have a condition of triumph. You can enter into your life, into your workplace, into your sadness, into your sorrow, into your loss, into your calling. You can enter into it with triumph because that's who you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does the victory come from? It comes from God through Jesus Christ. You're a victor today. You got 30 lives times three and plus some. God has got you secure. Romans chapter 8 and all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able. They do not have the dynamis. They do not have the power to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Horatio Nelson uh, an admiral of three centuries ago in Britain looked over the, the Nile River after that famous battle with the French, a naval battle, and he passed his ship in the midst of that carnage. And here's what he wrote in his journal for that day. He said, victory is not a strong enough name for such a scene as I have passed through. Victory is not strong enough. We are more than conquerors. You are soundly secure in the arms of God. Your salvation is settled. And in the end, you can't lose. This doesn't mean you'll never be scared. This does not mean that God's never going to call you to something frightening. It does not mean that, but it does mean that you know something bigger than fear. You know, you're, you have a relationship with something bigger. You are in possession of a victory that is already won. You're included in a triumph that is already had. You are part of a conquering that is already complete. And God's most priceless promise can never be taken from you no matter what. Walk daringly after Jesus. Let it cost you. Go where it's uncertain because the conditions may be uncertain there, but God never is. Salvation protects our courage, this helmet, this certainty. But lastly, salvation protects our contentment. When you know that the fullness of your future and your prize is uneroded in its pricelessness, then you don't have to grasp at the paltry treasures of this life. You see, many of the things that people and even Christians today are just desperately hoarding up for themselves, desperately grasping at. If you think of the world and all it has to offer and temptation and sinfulness and pride and lust, you, you, you just see uh, even Christians just grasping at it as if this is all there is, as if it is true when people say, you only go around once. You've only got one life to live. Get as many toys as you, if you can. 
as many hookups as you can, you know, as many hours of gaming as you can. I mean, as much of money and influence and possession and all of this that you can. We see Christians grasping at this, and these things are only trinkets of a fallen kingdom. They're nothing. They're souvenirs of death and decay. And in grasping for them, we lose sight of what is ahead, that there is a treasure laid up for us there. And we end up living not for the power of that, but in the poverty of this. And it should not be so. Salvation protects our contentment, content with what God has given us, joy at what he's promised us. When I was a Middle schooler, I was a weird little guy, y'all. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I was so weird and so awkward and so insecure, and I don't know how my teachers, I don't know how anybody put up with me, you know. I was weird and chubby, and I know you're surprised about that, too, but <laughs> I went to my grandparents, uh, they, their church had a little retreat, Summer day, it was an overnight, overnight little camp near our house. I went there, and I remember you could buy cold cans of Coke for a quarter in the commissary. And in my middle school brain, that was like such a bargain, right? Because at the machine, how much were they? You remember? 50 cents, right? In, in our day, that's what they were, 50 cents. And at this camp, you could buy them for a quarter, now, I didn't realize you could go get like a 12-pack or a 24-pack for like three bucks, right? And it, it came. So I decided I was going to spend all my money that I had with me on Cokes and put them in my backpack and take them home with me and it'd just be a prize for my family, right? That I got these at half price. And so I, my whole backpack, my whole suitcase, everything, I filled up with Cokes. It was so heavy by the end of the week. One quarter at a time, just putting them in there. I'm so, so proud about that. Listen, we don't have to do that spiritually. But we're tempted to, aren't we? To go through this world and we just see all the things that are, are a light to our eyes and, and we just want to grab at them and, and, and ha have them. We don't have to be like the hungry, hungry hippos of the world just grasping at the goods of a fallen world our contentment is secure god has a promise in heaven for us us and we can live for that we don't have to lust after money we don't have to want it at all cost we don't have to spend our mind and our attention and our fear and our anxiety on money we don't have to lust after sex and the fulfillment of those relationships we don't have to live in pride we don't have to seek acceptance and friendship with a fallen world. Do we want to build bridges that are appropriate there? Yes. Do we want to be like unto them at all costs? No. And we don't have to fear that either. We don't have to lust after experiences and possessions and people and prominence and legacy and education and all the rest. We don't have to do it because God has placed for us an inheritance that is unfailing and undefiled. Listen, the helmet of salvation protects us from Satan's temptation to fill our lives with things that don't matter to heaven. 
that have no spiritual significance, that carry no lasting value, does what you are filling your bag with in this life, the the things that you're accumulating, the things that preoccupy you, the things that make you rejoice or that can bring you to desperation, In abundance, there's joy. In lack, there's desperation. Do these things that we're filling our lives with, are they things that carry the value of heaven? Are they things that show that you know that you are an eternal creature? Are they things that show that you know that God has redeemed you for an imperishable glory? Heaven and the world ought to be able to look at us and say, boy, they're living for something different. It's almost as if they're of another homeland. It's almost as if they're journeying for a, to another city whose maker and builder is other than what we see in this brokenness here, whose maker and builder is God. And it's not only for the sake of heaven, and it's not only for the sake of the world who are looking on. It's for the sake of you and me to live in the fullness and the abundance of life that God desires for Christians to occupy. Don't settle for the 25-cent Cokes of this world. Don't settle for less. You see, the command of this verse is a simple one. Six words, right? Take up the helmet of salvation. But it's a serious one. Are you ready to respond this morning? If you're not saved today, then let me tell you, there is nothing of good waiting for you in eternity. In fact, uh, instead of being saved, you are what the Bible describes as lost. And your eternal destiny is not secured by God in heaven, a prize waiting for you. You are bound for judgment and for hell. And if if today that is you, then Jesus extends the offer to you that you can have this promised inheritance by placing your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. You'll be secure forevermore. But if you are in Christ today, we praise God for the moment of our salvation in the past but we are to live now in view of that day of fulfillment in our future. Are you living for that? Do you realize you can't lose? It's time to obey God. Today, today is the day of salvation. Why not place it all in his hands? He's given you everything you need to do it. Let me pray for us. just a moment, I'd love to offer you a, a time of response. Listen, these things are serious. We're very familiar with this place. We're very familiar with one another. Very much our home. But sometimes God speaks. And friend, he has the permission to speak into your life and call you into something that is unfamiliar and uncomfortable. Even today, he may be calling you to come to this altar and to bend your knee and to seek him in a new way. To change something, to repent of something, to give him something that you've clung to. Maybe today, even today, he may be speaking 
to one here who has never been saved and the burden is heavy and the reality is dark you have no homeland in heaven and no one will be able to with any honesty stand up in the presence of your coffin with the funeral songs playing with the ushers standing near to carry you to that dirt no one would honestly be able to stand there and proclaim that you're with God. Not because he's not been faithful to die, to give his life and raise again. Not because he hasn't been faithful to reach out to you. Not because you haven't been under the hearing of his word. But because over and over you said no or you stood silent when he called. Why? Come to Jesus. Today, if you need to make a decision for your life, if you need to commit something to him, if you need to forgive someone, if you need to just invite him in more fullness into the the places you walk, do it, friend, do it today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God and for trusting it to us. We pray that you might do something with it today that we didn't set out to accomplish, but Lord, that you decided to undertake. Father, speak to us. Remove the calluses from our heart. Help us bleed. Help us to say yes to you. We give this to you who alone can do it. In Jesus' name, amen.